0: The opinions of this podcast are my own and not necessarily the opinions of Berkshire Hathaway Home Services Ambassador Real Estate, any realtor associations, persons, or entities. If your property is currently listed with a real estate broker, please note that it is not our intention to solicit the offerings of other real estate brokers.
1: Welcome to this episode of Hunting Home with Blake Hunter. Blake is a realtor with Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, Ambassador Real Estate Offices in Council Bluffs, Iowa and Omaha, Nebraska. Blake, thank you so much for your time. Uh, Did you have a good Christmas?
0: Had a great Christmas. I have a one and a half year old, so it was kind of our real true first Christmas. He was so small last year, Uh, so it was a blast. He got a lot of new stuff and... It was fun for our family.
1: So what you're saying is you're going to be picking up tiny little pieces of wrapping paper for the next uh, month and a half at least.
0: Yeah, and I need a bigger house now because we have so many toys and (laughs) stuff added to our collection that we don't have any room anymore.
1: I, I feel your pain, brother. I feel your pain. We are continuing on with a conversation, kind of a dual podcast thing that is going on, an episode of another podcast called Emily Sells Iowa, came out a couple of days ago, and you were a guest on that podcast, and now you are bringing Emily on as a guest on yours. This is really kind of a neat concept you guys came up with.
0: Yeah, I mean, Emily and I both have podcasts, and I think that we're kind of really the only local real estate agents that have podcasts, so we thought this would be a great idea. Let's get together, collaborate a little bit and talk about some things that we see as common questions, uh, the frequently asked question, the misconceptions of you know, real estate agents and real estate transactions.
1: We do encourage you if you haven't heard it yet to uh Do a a search on Emily Sells Iowa and listen to the last episode, because that's going to be part one of this conversation. Emily Swinford with Better Homes and Gardens, the Good Life Group offices in Glenwood and Council Bluffs, Iowa. And you guys are actually both part of the Southwest Iowa Association of Realtors, which is how you met, correct?
0: That's correct. So we do work together. I mean, it is important to note that we are direct competitors, but we have to get along. And when we do get along, things work out better for everybody.
1: When we mentioned on the previous podcast, we'll just say it again, you haven't had an opportunity to do a deal yet together, but it's probably coming.
0: yeah, we've we've showed some properties. We've had many real estate discussions. We've worked together on some committees um, through the Southwest Iowa Association of Realtors. But we have not checked the box of uh, completing a transaction together yet.
1: I'm curious, Emily, whose idea was this initially to do a dual podcast where you were appearing on each other's? Was was it kind of just a joint conversation you had or did somebody present it to the other one?
2: I think it was Blake's idea. And then I'm like, well, heck, if I'm going to be on yours, you might as well be on mine. So I think it's a great idea. Um, as real estate agents, like Blake said, we're direct competitors, but we also have to get along. And that's kind of the unique thing about real estate uh, is your competition um, has to be also your friend. You have to be able to communicate well with the other um, parties in the transaction. And so it can be challenging at times, but Blake and I, we've just always kind of had a really good rapport between each other. And we've had a lot of fun working on committees together. Blake's um, helped with the golf bash committee and uh, has saved saved me a couple times on, on that and making sure that that event runs smoothly. And uh, he's a team player and has always been just really, really great to communicate with and get along with. And so I think we have a natural relationship. And I think uh, 2023, I think our goal should be to do a deal together.
0: Yeah, I think so too.
1: Now, we want to talk today about some misconceptions, maybe some myths, if you uh, want to call it that, that are involved with real estate transactions. So whether you're purchasing a home or buying a home, some of the different things that people may have the wrong idea about.
0: Well, we discussed a few things that are common, but just as we were talking, I thought of a good one is that Emily and I work for different brokerages. And I think a Common misconception is that if you have two agents that work for the same brokerage, that they're on the same team, that they there's some benefit that each of those agents get. In a sense, there is. They're both working for the same office, but there's really no difference in competition between Emily and I that are two at two different brokerages than myself and another agent that's with Berkshire Hathaway or Emily and another agent that's at Better Homes and Gardens. We are independent contractors. So, you know, your agent is your agent, and they work for that, you know, said brokerage. But having two agents that are working at the same brokerage is really not any different in the transaction than it would be if you had two separate brokerages in that transaction. Correct?
2: Yeah, I never thought about that. And especially, I think, I, I live in Glenwood, Iowa, so, a you know, small town. And so, um, you know, Better Homes, our our signs are green, and so I think a lot of times people think that if there's a green sign in the yard, um, we're all working together, and and that's not the case. We, Like Blake said, we're all independent contractors, and so you just gotta choose an agent that is the best fit, We oftentimes have very little to gain whether or not you decide to work with Blake or you decide to work with me versus working with somebody at the same brokerage.
1: What are some other things that are involved with a transaction that um, maybe it's a a question that you answer quite frequently, or maybe it's just things that typically people have the wrong idea about?
0: Well, I think a major one, especially as home prices have increased so much, um, especially in the last couple of years, is that you have to have 20% to put as a down payment, um, which is, that is a really hard for a lot of people to gather that pool of money um, because, you know, let's face it, an entry level home now is around that $200,000 mark. Um, So, you know, you're talking about a pretty big wad of money just to get into the house. And then it's a lot of times that doesn't leave people any money, even if they have that 20%, it doesn't leave them any money to take care of that house once they get in it. So a huge misconception is that you have to have that 20% down. There's all sorts of different loan products that require less of a down payment. Um, there's even products that are zero money down. Um, I think Emily can you know, maybe hit on a USDA loan, um, especially working a lot in Glenwood, about ha- not having to have any money down at all.
2: Yeah, that's a huge misconception that you have to have 20% down, and there's 0% down products like the VA loan or the USDA loan. USDA is designed for, um, you know, smaller towns. You can't do it in Council Bluffs, but you can do it on the outskirts of Council Bluffs, Trainer, Glenwood, Underwood, and those types of smaller towns. They're designed to keep the rural areas uh, alive, um, so there's a lot of different things that go into it. You can also do a conventional loan with 3% down, and, and I'm not a lender, but um, we as realtors have to educate ourselves on, you know, some of these different types of loan programs. Uh, there's grants out there, and you 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 don't have to have 20 percent down. And 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 actually, the biggest difference uh, that's going to make the biggest difference in your monthly payment is going to be your rate. So a larger down payment is going to save you on PMI. It's going to save you in. Uh, on money in the long term. But if you're only going to be in a house for, say, three to five years, it might not make sense for you to put 20 percent down. Whereas if you're buying a forever home, then it's going to make a lot more sense to put more money down up front. So there's all sorts of things that go into it. So if a lot of people have great credit, but not a lot of money in the bank. So don't let that scare you from being able to buy a home or think that you uh, have to have a certain amount of money saved up to buy a home. Call, you know call Blake, call your real estate agent because there might be an option out there for you to be able to own a home sooner than later.
0: Yeah, and I you know a lot of people think that, you know oh well, those people to put 20% down. so now we need to put 20% down. And um, just based off a little research this morning, the nationwide uh, median down payment is 13%. Um, and in Iowa and Nebraska, for people that are in that first-time home homebuyer uh, range, ages 23 to 31, that median percentage is 8%, um, which in Iowa, Nebraska equates to about $23,000 as your median down payment, and that's you know just in our area. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you know just because you hear that 20% down, 20% down, actually most people are doing less.
1: Well, and I think it's important too to let the folks like you. Do your jobs because it is your job to try to help people get into a home. So come to you with whatever your situation may be and find out whether or not there's something that can be done because there's more information than just what you have. You guys are going to call different mortgage brokers and and different people like that to see what could be available. And these things are always in flux. There's a reason why when we're recording a podcast about real estate, we don't talk about hard specific interest rates because they move so much so we never know what they're going to be from one week to the next that's why it's important to have the conversations
0: yep and everyone's situation is different i mean even if maybe those maybe your client just sold a house they have the money to put 20 percent down or more um they don't have to necessarily maybe they want to use that money for something else maybe they want to use that money for upgrades in their next in their purchase Um, So it's all situational and it's whatever works best for, you know, that client.
2: Yeah. And don't be too proud, you know, I mean, to call us. That is that is our job to help you. And if your credit is, you know, down the drain because you made a few mistakes a couple years ago, we want you to be able to buy a house in the next year. That's our goal for you, too. So we are here to help you, even if you can't buy a house this month, you know, even if you're still working on your savings account or your credit. Don't be too proud to give us a call because because that's our goal is we want to be able to help you buy a house.
1: What are some other uh, misconceptions that... Uh, it, it's a common thing that you hear when it's involved with a real estate transaction.
0: Um, I think another you know, important section of a real estate transaction is that inspection period and what an inspection uh, involves. I think that a lot of people um, assume, a lot of buyers assume that there's an inspection regardless. There just is this magical inspection. There's not a... a you know, you can like we've talked about before. You can hire a third-party inspector. That's that's a separate thing that that buyer has to write into their purchase agreement that we are going to have a home inspection, and then there's a separate inspection that can be done depending on the financing that 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 buyer is getting. Um, so th- the inspection thing is on a. It's not a uh, necessarily a required item, and it's not necessarily a given um, on the transaction. And I think another thing that people think is that if they have an inspection, the house either passes or it fails, and that's not the case either. Um, even with an inspection that's done because of that type of financing, if there's things that have to be fixed in order for that buyer to get the financing, you know, such as an, an FHA loan or a VA loan or a USDA loan, those items can be remedied. And that person can still get their financing. It's not a pass or fail situation. Um, and then same thing if you do hire a you know a third party home inspector to come in and have a home inspection. There's negotiation involved afterwards to you know meet some common ground to hopefully move forward with that transaction. It's not necessarily just pass or fail.
2: Yeah, and you are not as a seller required to bring a home up to today's standards in terms of code when you sell your house. So I think, uh, like Blake said, it's, it's not a pass-fail situation. You're not required to do anything. It just opens up the negotiation bed between you and the buyer, and and we kind of tell our buyers, look for those major items because the inspector is going to find every little thing and every house is going to have its quirks.
1: I think that we did go through a period of time recently where home inspections were not as common on deals that were accepted, but we're kind of shifting away from that now, aren't we?
0: Yeah, I've definitely seen more personally, um, having more home inspections done, just having more, negot- or more negotiating power on the buyer side uh, with home inspections, contingencies, that type of thing. Um, so, and I think that will continue, especially through this winter, um, to see, you know, more and more inspections, which I think is a good thing, you know, I mean, if I'm representing a buyer, uh, I'd... I'd Prefer to have a home inspection if they if they're that's what they want to do and a seller should be willing to have that home inspection and hopefully negotiate if there is items that need to be repaired um, you know ultimately it's up to that seller to say yes or no so they have they still have that control um, in the transaction so yeah more inspections I think better for everybody
1: what else do you have on your list of things that uh, you want to make sure that folks are aware of that maybe this is not a something that is hard and true fast rule that they've gotten the wrong idea about.
0: Well, this isn't necessarily a rule, but um, I think especially right now that we've come kind of out of a really hot market and and there's so much negative press on the real estate market right now. I don't want to make this like sound like, oh my God, the market is just ice cold because good houses are still selling extremely fast. I would consider this still a very good market to sell in. There just has slowed down from this crazy craziness that, you know, people became accustomed to in a very, sh- you know, short amount of time. But we're on this learning curve right now where sellers are still wanting to price at the top of the market, hot market pricing. And now buyers think that just because a house has been on the market for a week that they're going to get this killer deal because it's been on the market for a week, which is really no time in the in the big picture of real estate. Um, but when they're used to things selling in 24 hours and all of a sudden the house is on the market a week or they make one small price reduction, man, we're going to get in there and get a steal. Not necessarily the case. So my point to that is that there is some, um, strategy involved in pricing and I, you know, this is my personal opinion. Emily might have a little bit different strategy. Um, but I like to price not aggressively, but accurately this is not like selling a car where you you know you price at this point and then a buyer comes in and negotiates their way down. My my strategy is get that price right, get it to where people find it appealing, get them in the door, and then that's when they're going to write you the best offer. Um, so you know, telling telling that client that's going to be listing their house, hey, let's you know if this is your this is where we think it needs to be priced, let's put it here because that's going to create some urgency and we don't need to leave that quote unquote wiggle room to negotiate. Um, you have the ultimate control here. So let's price it accordingly and get you some good terms.
2: Yeah, I actually handle it uh, very similarly. So and, and I kind of if you, if you if you listen to my podcast, I always say, you know, the market is the market. There's not necessarily a bad or a good time to sell. It's when you need to sell or when it makes sense for you to sell. And as far as pricing strategy goes, there is a huge misconception that sellers think that they need to work in that ten thousand dollars worth of wiggle room, and I always say, well, and and you know, a lot of times we we gotta we gotta do that. If that's what you want to do, that's you know, that's what we're here for is to do what you want us to do. But the minute that you work in that quote unquote wiggle room, you're shifting the power of the negotiation immediately back into the buyer's hands. So to Blake's point, if you are priced right at about what you are hoping or thinking it should sell for based on the market and based on you know Blake and myself doing our research in pricing a home it's 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 not just throwing a number on it and hoping it sells and saying okay average days on the market 30 and then we drop the price in 30 days if it doesn't sell there's there's a lot that goes into it so if you work in that wiggle room the buyer automatically has that leg up in that negotiation and a lot of times that's going to backfire on you like Blake said you want to create urgency and you want to maintain as a seller, you want to maintain control of that scenario in that situation.
0: Um, adding to that point, you know, yeah, the money part is very important. But I think what people lose track of that this, this transaction is going to go on for a while and there's other parts involved in the transaction and it's not done until it's done. And so pricing it right is going to, if you know, if you have it at the highest price point, Generally, you're going to have other contingencies involved, whether it be some type of financing contingency, maybe a home sale contingency, or that inspection that we've talked about. And so if you get it priced right, you create that urgency, maybe generate a multiple offer situation. Um, maybe you're going to create a really good offer that meets that price. And then what's really important that I think a lot of people don't realize is what those terms involve. Because like I said, it's not over till it's over and someone can write you a really good offer on the money side, but maybe have a lot of contingencies involved and then it doesn't, doesn't go through anyway. So it's, it's important to lay all that out and discuss all those things when you're reviewing that offer that, hey, this is not over until you get that check in your hand. And so let's look at these contingencies that are involved, and that might sway you on your pricing strategy a little bit.
2: Yeah, I think at the end of the day, you know, are there good deals out there? That's, yeah, sure, every once in a while, especially if you have a lot of cash in the bank, you're probably going to be able to get a little bit better of a deal than if you don't. But at the end of the day, we're looking for a fair deal, and and it's not about the money necessarily. It's not about the initial negotiation. If you create or somehow have a hostile environment from the very beginning because negotiations go south, but ultimately you do get the deal put together, those are going to be the transactions where at the final walkthrough, you're fighting over a ring doorbell or a scratch on the wall. Um, it's it's an emotional process, so the smoother things go from the beginning, the smoother things are going to go in the end. The more respect that everybody has for each other during the transaction, trying to create that fair deal, uh, the better, you know, everybody is off off in the end. So trying to create a win-win situation for all parties involved is really important.
0: Yep. Communication, communication, communication. That's right.
1: Well, and this has been wonderful communication that both of you have been doing. And I think that this project of doing a dual podcast... I think has been very successful. I have enjoyed uh, having you here and also finding out information from two different sources and, uh, and getting uh, some confirmation about some of the different uh, things that go on with the real estate, uh, whether it be uh, in the agent side or whether it be in the transaction side and, and just some great stuff here. And I think both of you should be very proud of putting this together. I'm, I'm happy to be a part
0: of it. Yeah. Thank you, Todd. I appreciate it. And thank you, Emily, for coming on and allowing me to be on your podcast as well.
2: Yeah, thanks for the collaboration, Blake. I think that's really important, especially in this market we're going to be entering into. So thanks for having me.
1: Emily's Swinford's podcast is Emily Sells, Iowa. Emily is with Better Homes and Gardens, a good life group in Glenwood and Council Bluffs, Iowa. You're listening to Hunting Home with Blake Hunter, Blake, a realtor with uh, Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, Ambassador Real Estate Offices in both Council Bluffs, Iowa and Omaha, Nebraska. Thank you both for your time. And we look forward to uh, continuing on and getting more information on both of your podcasts. So thank you. And we thank you for listening to this episode of Hunting Home. We release new episodes every week.